0: good morning morning. we're on page uh, 403 in your church Bibles Uh, Isaiah chapter 65 turn there with me okay so say you've just got done confessing something very difficult to someone you've offended we've all been there we've probably been on both sides of that table When you've just gotten done confessing something very difficult, what do you want next? If you're like me, you want to get past that awkward silence as fast as possible. And you want the restoration. You want the the new life. You want the, I forgive you. And you don't want anything less than that. I've been on both sides of that table, and I don't like the awkward silence that often comes after an apology. And I really do want the restoration, but getting there is often quite difficult. It's so much more complicated than I think we'd, we'd prefer it to be. Now. That's two people. What about with God and people? Is that going to be more complicated or less complicated? A lot more. (laughs) Um, Last week in the book of Isaiah, Israel made a confession. And at at this point, their, their only hope for restoration to the Lord is for the Lord to remember His steadfast love for them they're in the awkward silence of the apology and uh, that text answered the question will the lord withhold his steadfast love with a resounding no he won't he will love you Israel and today we're going to see what that steadfast love looks like as we build toward that restoration process. But much like restoration between two people, the painful part is gonna come first. We're gonna linger on that a little bit. And, uh, we can't skip that. But the point, as we'll see toward the end as we get to the new life, is that restoration is worth the cost. How it happens is your outline. The Lord is first destroying the old creation, so something's gotta come off, and then He's replacing it and building a new creation to fill a new earth. He's doing it on a global scale. So first, let's read the Lord destroying the old creation, mostly. (laughs) I'll explain. I'll start by reading the first five verses of chapter 65. This is the Lord speaking. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands All the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good. Following their own devices. A people who provoke me to my face continually. Sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks. Who sit in tombs and spend the night in secret places. Who eat pig's flesh and broth of tainted meat is in their vessels. Who say... Keep to yourself. Do not come near me. For I am too holy for you. These are a smoke in my nostrils. A fire that burns all the day. Imagine that comeback after you've just confessed to somebody. This is the old creation. And the Lord is going to destroy this. What he's doing is he, he has to hold up the offense one more time for, for everybody to see. So let's hear it one more time. In verses 1 and 2, we see that the Lord has initiated. He spread his hands out all day, calling out, ready to be found. But so many in Israel are not looking for him. What they have been doing in verse 2 is following their own devices. And the verses that follow simply show those devices. In verse 3, they're provoking the Lord by sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks, which sounds like something you would rebuke a child for outside. But this, what this is referring to is the the Canaanite altars. So the, the altars of false gods that Israel then owned back when they won the promised land. They come in, the Canaanites leave, and they all these altars are left over. And just after that, in Deuteronomy 12, the Lord said, destroy those altars. And they didn't. Eventually, they didn't just not destroy the altars. They started worshiping other gods on those altars. And another example, in verse 4, the people have been mixing religions. They're sitting in tombs. Which is another way of saying that they are contacting the dead. They're making a practice of it. Seances, divination, whatever you want to call it. And as you keep going, they're doing other forms of divination. In other words, they're relying on the advice of dead people or lesser gods rather than the living God. And they keep doing this. And they keep Doing this. And the heart of their offense, I think, is summed up in verse 5. Where Israel is saying to the Lord, and I think perhaps to the people around them as well. Keep to yourself. Do not come here. For I am too holy. Let me explain to you how, how heinous this is. They're not only flirting or even sleeping with with other religions they're then doing all the religious rituals that signify restoration of the Lord so they're still making animal sacrifices they're still praying to the Lord but the Lord's response in verse 5 is that he's burning with anger Here's what I mean by that. The, the smoke from the offering is coming up, and it's not a sweet smell like the Lord wants an offering to be. The smoke that's coming up from them is like smoke in His nostrils. He hates their pretense. They're doing all the outward signs. They look very religious but their hearts are inclined everywhere else. This is not new news to you if you've been studying Isaiah with us, but he's holding it up one more time. This is what you're doing and you just keep doing it. And last week in chapter 64, verse 9, Israel begged the Lord, remember not our iniquity. And what the Lord is saying to these people full of false holiness is no. Look at verses 6 and 7. Behold, it is written before me. I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will indeed repay into their lap. Both your iniquities and your father's iniquities together, says the Lord. Because they made offerings on the mountains and insulted me on the hills. I will measure into their lap payment for their former deeds. Israel's sin is written down. So imagine a gigantic book on the shelf. And in it is every sin that you've ever committed. Multiply that by Israel. The Lord can't forget that. He must repay. This debt goes back generations. So he will destroy the old creation. But here we get to the mostly. Verses 8 and 9 and 10. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and they say, Do not destroy it, for there is blessing in it. So I will do for my servants' sake, and not destroy them all. I will bring forth offspring from Jacob and from Judah, possessors of my mountains. My chosen shall possess it, and my servants shall dwell there. Sharon shall become pasture. For flocks in the valley of Acor, a place for herds to lie down for my people who have sought me. I won't touch on every uh, visual here, but I will hit on the big one. What spares a remnant for Israel is a little new wine in their proverbial cluster in verse eight. Or rather, something of value in their generations, in their lineage, makes them a candidate for restoration. There's something in them of value, and it's not the sacrifices. And in verse 8 and elsewhere, we see that it is the servant that provides the value. Who we know to be Jesus. And is from their generational line. That is the reason. And the only reason. That some will be spared. For his sake. They will not be completely destroyed. We learn much about the Lord here. For one thing, he is slow to anger and abounding in love. Is he not? We also learn, as we've learned elsewhere in Isaiah, especially chapter 53, that he provides the means for the restoration. But next, we learn, and this is a word for us, that the Lord does not relax his holiness standard even after the presentation of the servant. Verses 11 and 12. But you who forsake the Lord, this is after the servant, who forget my holy mountain, who set a table for fortune and fill cups of mixed wine for destiny, I will destine you to the sword and all of you shall bow down to the slaughter. Because when I called, you did not answer. When I spoke, you did not listen, but you did what was evil in my eyes and and chose what I did not delight in. So for those, no matter how religious, those people who are secretly worshiping gods of of fortune and, and destiny, which these are real gods, they will be destined... For the slaughter that Peter told us about two weeks ago. So here's all I'm saying. The Lord will destroy the old creation mostly. And the reason for the mostly is the servant. It will be bad. But not nearly as bad As it deserves to be. This is the first step. Towards restoration. To take off. What is unhelpful. Let's see what the Lord does next. The Lord will replace. The old creation. Let me read verses. 13 through 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but you shall be put to shame. Behold, my servants shall sing for gladness of heart, but you shall cry out for pain of heart and shall wail for breaking of spirit. You shall leave your name to my chosen for a curse. And the Lord God will put you to death. But his servants he will call by another name. So that he who blesses himself in the land. Shall bless himself by the God of truth. And he who takes an oath in the land. Shall swear by the God of truth. Because the former things are forgotten. And are hidden from my eyes. So the you here is the old creation and what the lord is simply doing next is he's not simply removing the bad and then just stapling on good he's actually replacing in other words look at that list those who who spew false holiness those who are are, are fat and full and and rejoicing and and glad all those blessings will be transferred To the Lord's people. The new creation. Will get everything. That the old creation. Thought. It had. So the old creation. As deceived as they are. They won't actually. Hold on to what they think they have. That's all going to go. To the new creation. And all this is possible. Because of the because in verse 15. The former troubles are forgotten and hidden from the Lord's eyes. So while all of Israel in chapter 64 begged the Lord to forget their iniquity, and the answer to the old creation was no, here it is yes, but only if you're part Of the remnant. That's where you need to be. And if you are. Your sins. Can actually be. Not just taken away. Forgotten. This is more restoration. Than I think Israel was counting on. So those who the Lord has chosen, he's not only not destroying them, but he's promising to replace what was lost and forget what I think would ordinarily be unforgettable. And as we'll read next, what he's going to do is build an amazing new creation for them to live in with him and with one another. That is full restoration. Restoration. That's what's coming. It's your last point. Let me read verses 17 through 25. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy, and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. My chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord. And their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. For just a general observation, what's coming... Is the exact opposite of what was. Think of the old creation. Let's go back to those people mixing religions, spewing out false holiness. Where the old creation was packed with people like that, storing up wrath. Here, the Lord's people are working in holiness with Him, and the old creation is, is gone. Continuing what was said in point two, the Lord is doing more than replacing what was lost and forgetting the sins. But here he's making a new creation so good that to its inhabitants, it will be like the old creation never happened. That is astounding. No weeping or distress in verse 19. Imagine that. No premature death in verse 20, whether young or old. And at the end of the verse, even justice for the formerly uncaught 100-year-old sinner, he's going to get punished. He won't get away with it. And in verses 21 through 23, this new creation has meaningful enjoyable work and even the hope of bearing children without the possibility that they'll turn away from the Lord later in life in short no toil and no loss in this new creation so here's the question I asked myself as I got done with this all this amazing imagery Are we in this new creation now? Some preachers think so. Some think that in the name of Christ, we should never be sick again. And everyone should be rich. And that people can live without sin. When I was back in college, I was taking a walk to the Unimark to buy a paper. And two guys like sideswipe me on the street. They catch up with me and they start up a conversation. And they say, hey, we got the second baptism. We don't sin anymore. And I knew they were crazy, but I couldn't tell them why. Do you know what to do with people like that? What about the person who tells you that the reason you're sick is because you've unconfessed sin? What do you do with that person? And what do you do when that person is you? You go right here. Is this what the servant Jesus brought when he finally came? The best answer I can give you is no and yes. Let me explain why that's not a (laughs) cop-out. Because when you read the gospel, like the book of Luke, which is next for us, the servant Jesus finally comes to Israel and he proclaims that a new kingdom is here. And he starts restoring the sick and he, and the oppressed and then he condemns the religious leaders who are a spitting image of the old creation. And then those people kill Jesus. And when Jesus sent out the disciples, Jesus said, you'll be treated like me for the work that you're about to do. Here's what I'm saying. This utopia, where there's no sadness and and no death, no premature death, I should say, this can't be here yet because Jesus himself said so. And if it were here, he wouldn't have died prematurely and I'll add when he raised up he said I'm coming back so no new creation yet but here's where I can follow that no with a yes it's because Jesus's death was not the end of him And his resurrection set the new creation in motion. I'll show you. After Jesus was raised, he sent his disciples out to the nations and soon groups of believers started to pop up. Looking a little bit like this new creation on earth. And guess what? Those full of false holiness tried their best, but they couldn't stop these Christians. Do you know what happened to these people full of false holiness? Their temples burned. The old passed away. What didn't pass away was the church where the Lord's people from every nation were called to fight sin and restore themselves to one another in response to the Lord restoring them to himself. So they're restoring themselves to one another out of their response to what the Lord has done in their lives. And where they work together, taking care of one another's needs, Weeping and rejoicing together, but with hope. Why? Because of the total restoration that Jesus promised to bring with him when he returned. So, we are in that same stage now. What many fellow believers call, already and not yet, Have you heard that one? Already and not yet. It's like yes and no. Where we fight sin. And we restore ourselves to one another in response to the Lord restoring us. Where we work together. Taking care of one another's needs. Weeping and rejoicing together in hope. Why? Because of the total restoration that Jesus promised to bring with him when he returned. So, the new creation has come, for those of you who are in the remnant, and yet is coming. This is why, I think, last week in the confession of Israel we saw what looked like a shadow of the Lord's prayer. Which reads, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because earth and heaven are starting to look a little bit more alike. So in keeping with that, let us rejoice in the new creation around us and let us not grow tired Waiting for the total restoration to come down from heaven on that day. So, what do we do in the meantime? Here's a here's some applications for us. Application number one. Rejoice in the already. And there's two, there's probably a hundred ways you could do that. Here's two. Um, The first is pursue holiness. So this is an answer to the the false holiness of point one. And it's an illustration of the communion that we enjoy with the Lord in in point three. So how do we pursue holiness? Because I don't know about you, but that sounds like cute. But where do I begin? Start by considering the word Pursue. Because I don't know about you, but the more I relax, the less I pursue holiness. It is so easy, even as an elder, to just show up and to go through the motions and sing the songs without having any idea of what I'm saying. I've had sermons where I've, I've, I've preached applications and then six months later I'm like, I'm not doing these at all. And I just told them. So easy to relax. It is so easy to do all the outward signs with a heart inclined elsewhere. Doesn't that sound like the old creation? kill that if not the Lord's going to help now we're going to hit more on that next week what it looks like to pursue holiness but for now just simply consider what might be holding you back from growing more second way we can rejoice in the already is to seek restoration with one another This is, again, a contrast between 1 and 3. It's a contrast to the the walled-off, holier-than-thou kind of person we're seeing in point 1. And it's a picture of people working together in harmony in point 3. And I'll just simply say this. I am sure in this congregation that there is sin that needs to be confessed from one to another husband to wife wife to husband child to parent parent to child roommate to roommate team members to team members elder to elder but I'll just say this because right now if the Lord's brought anything to mind you're probably thinking I don't know where to start I'll just say this. If the Lord can restore us to himself, isn't it possible that we can restore ourselves to one another? I think so. And I hope so. Because if we're both Christians, we're going to be together for a very long time. (laughs) Next application is anticipate the not yet. This will be a bit shorter. It's a little bit more ambiguous. I didn't know what to do with it. (laughs) I'll just say this. Meditate on, even memorize, chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. That was the new creation. Meditate on that. Memorize that. Because one day, that picture... Minus the death will be your life if you are part of the remnant. And I don't know about you, but my hardest times are when I forget about eternity. And all I'm doing is thinking about the old creation instead of forgetting it. Lastly, this is just simply a word to you. Um... If you're not sure of your faith or if you're openly not a Christian, new creation, that story I just showed you, or rather Isaiah did, or rather the Lord showed us, that can be your ending. But only if the servant Jesus has restored you to God. If not, your story ends at verse 15. And if you're not sure where you stand, please return next week because that is the exact topic that we're going to cover as we continue the last portion of the book of Isaiah, how to know if you're part of the remnant. As we await the new creation and as we celebrate the new creation, let's pray together. Dear God, we see shadows of the new creation around us. I see people forgiving one another that I didn't think that would ever happen. I see people mourning with one another as children die from our perspective before their time and as older people die before their time from our perspective. I see shadows of amazing things as I see people in this church taking off sin and calling one another to holiness. But Lord, I know we're not quite there yet because people still die and sinners still run rampant, even in the pulpit. But Lord, our hope is that you are not fooled. And our hope is that as we look forward to the new creation... We look forward to the end of this picture where the wolf and the lamb shall graze together and dust shall be the serpent's food. A total dispensation of justice and total peace for everyone who by your grace is left standing. Amen.